All right. Good morning, everybody. If you have a Bible, get it out. And you can open up to 1 Timothy chapter 2 and Ephesians chapter 2. Um, I'm sorry, 1 Timothy chapter 4 and Ephesians chapter 2. So we're going to be in the Bible on those two places this morning. And I want to just uh, draw your attention to some things that were in your chair. Each week we try to put some things in your chair to communicate to you what's going on in the life of our church to create a current towards involvement and participation. And, and uh, you know, as a new church, we're still setting a rhythm as far as how people understand what it means to be a part of our church. And there's lots of cool things going on. So first of all, we've changed up uh, this piece, which has been in your chair. Now we've set a notes section, so you no longer have to take notes on your hand or uh, anywhere else. Um, if you'd like, go ahead and use that. It's to your benefit. Um, also, um, there's a reminder about what we talked about last week. You know, we're in this series called Best Year Ever. And as we were thinking about the new year, something just occurred to us as a team as we began to plan creatively for the new year. And that was, why can't we help the people of Neartown Church experience their best year ever? So we were thinking about names. What, what can we call it? You know, like uh, we're brainstorming all these things. We had a list of names. And then all of a sudden we thought, why not call it best year ever? <laughs> Everybody wants to have their best year ever. So last week we began with this idea of focus. To begin thinking about having your best year ever, you, you must focus. And so we took the word focus and made an acrostic with it. And in your chair is a little card to help remind you what that was about. So this is last week's talk. If you missed it, you can check it out online in the podcast. But just briefly, uh, find a quiet place in time, open God's word, consider what you read, understand using resources, and share with others. So we believe that to have your best year ever, it begins with a focus on God. Now, some of you are here and you may be new to God or new to this church thing, and I, I want you to know that relating to God is a lot like what you understand in relationships to other people. The only difference is God will never fail you or never let you down. You will never totally understand him, and he will take care of you. He knows your beginning and your end. He knows what days that are going to be good are ahead of you, and he knows the difficult days that are going to be ahead of you. This is who we've come to worship, and this is who we've come to talk about and learn about. We believe that God revealed himself in the person and work of Jesus Christ, who's written about in this book called the Bible. And so the Bible is the place that we go when we ask the question, okay, how can we have our best year ever? If it begins with a focus on God, how do we get to know God and how do we learn from God? So we open the Bible and we listen to God's voice. So that's what we are doing together. Proverbs chapter three, verse two. Write this on your best year ever focus card. Proverbs chapter three, verse two. Write it at the top there. You can look it up later. It says this. Store my commands in your heart. If you do this, you will live many years and your life will be satisfying. Who doesn't want a satisfying life? Who, who doesn't want to have their best year ever? Nobody. That would be foolish to, not, to want anything other than an absolutely satisfying life. Well, for you to have your best year ever, you must train spiritually. You, you must. It takes some effort. Focus is the starting point. And this series is going to help you go from the starting point, which is to make God's word and listening to God and his word a priority. It, it's going to, this series is going to help you also think about other major areas of your life so that you can have your best year ever. And it's my intention to 
help you to see the major areas of your life, like your money and your time and your job and your family and your health, through the lens of the gospel, which is through the lens of the Bible and what the Bible says about who God is and who we are and how Jesus came to bridge the gap between us and God and, and erase our sin. So in this series, I want to help you have your best year ever. So think about that. I'm going to pray that God does just that. God, we love you, and I pray, holy God, that in this series, that you would open up our hearts and our minds to seeing the major areas of our life through the gospel lens. As we've begun with a focus on your word, recognizing that we need to hear from you, we need to listen to you, we need to think about you. God, we want to see these major areas of our life uh, the way you want us to see them, God. So I pray that would happen, and I know it only happen if your Holy Spirit chooses to show up. I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Do you know that God has some good works for you? God has some things that he wants you to do in this life. They're very specific things, and, and they are a part of what he wants to do in the world. Now, the very first step for all of us is to uh, recognize that uh, we need God. Our sin separates us from God, and we need something to happen to that sin. And and we hear the story that Jesus came and died on a cross, and in doing so, there was this mysterious exchange where our our sin went to him, and and, and his uh, righteousness comes to us. Jesus truly is our middleman. He, He stands between us and God. And then once you turn to God and begin a relationship with God through Jesus Christ. It's new and it's fresh and and God begins to reveal to us that he has good things for us to do in this life. It's not just about being able to die and go to heaven. It's about being used by God in this world for the good of God's plan. Ephesians chapter two, verse eight. Listen carefully. For by grace you have been saved through your faith. This is not your own doing, it is the gift of God, not a result of works, so that no one can boast. Listen, for we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So God has good works for us. It's pretty simple to believe that. Okay, sure, I mean, God has some things that he wants us, us to do in this life. But today what I want you to think about is that for you to be able to do all that God wants you to do, you must first and foremost manage your most valuable resource really, really well. Do you know what your most valuable resource is in this life? Your body. And when I say your body, I mean physically your body. Like this this thing, the thing that's, Uh, fed, but I also mean like your brain and and the thinking center. Some of you, it's not a very large area. Um, No, your heart, your your physically, your most, what you have going on. So just touch your shoulders. Just this, this is your body. This is what we're talking about today. This physical thing that God has given you. This is your most valuable resource. Now let me tell you this. I've given a talk like this a couple of different times um, uh, about taking care of your body and, and kind of helping people see their, their bodies through the gospel lens and how valuable it is as a resource. One time I talked to about uh, 100 or so uh, pastors, church planters, 
and, uh, and you could have heard a pin drop in the room, right? Because, you know, um, pastors are not known to be the healthiest people in the world, right? Uh, many of them are standing up and talking about how sufficient Christ is and, and clearly like they're um, relying on food. I mean, they're, you know, they're overweight and unhealthy and stressed out and they, many of them are insomniacs. They don't sleep well. They don't take care of their bodies well. It's a, it's a very funny thing to talk about how um, they drink coffee all day long. And so many leaders are like this, okay? I like coffee. I'm not... Um, I really believe when we're standing before God, it's going to be like the best cappuccino you've ever had. Anyway, so, um, but, but I want you to know, and one other time I gave this talk, I talked to a group of about 100 college students, and same thing, you, at one point you could have heard it pin drop, but in most, both instances, after it was over, I received more response than I ever received from sermons uh, from people going, I needed to hear you tell me that our bodies are our most valuable resource. Um, because, and it, I won't get into why this is, but some point in the past, uh, people began thinking about ideas and, and what you would, emotion and things that are hard, like less physical, and separating those from more physical things. So we think, for instance, we can, we can have our best ideas and, and manage our emotions without taking care of our bodies, and that's absolutely not true. You, you cannot uh, have and do all that God wants for you this year without, without thinking about how you're taking care of your body. Your ideas are affected by how you take care of your body. Your body is your most valuable resource. Now, this isn't about you being good-looking um, without clothes on, okay? Th- this isn't about you being skinny or being able to take your shirt off the beach and being comfortable and all that kind of stuff. No, no, I'm not trying to turn everybody into these beautiful, great-looking um, specimens. But really what I am trying to tell you is that no matter what your body is supposed to look like, I don't care. I mean, really, I don't. There's only one body I care about, and that's my wife's. And, um, and, and I, that's all I'll say. And... Um, your body, it's not about you being super fit looking, it's about you taking care of it, whatever that's supposed to look like. So if you're a little taller, or you're skinny, or you're a little bigger, whatever, don't feel like I'm saying that you should be like everybody else or somebody else. No, I'm saying you have to take care of you because your body is your most valuable resource, okay? And um, I won't bore you with a bunch of statistics about uh, how unhealthy Americans are. But I will say quickly that Americans are fast becoming the most unhealthy people in the world. One out of four in Texas are obese. Diabetes is is, uh, rampant. More and more people are affected by it. And in Texas particularly, what's being revealed is that most people leave a very sedentary lifestyle. They rarely exercise. They rarely put forth effort to take care of their most valuable resource. Well, there's an inevitable future for this. That is, healthcare, of course, costs are rising. It costs everybody, for anybody, to not take care of their bodies. We must get serious as, uh, as followers of Jesus Christ in taking care of our most valuable resource. And I believe that God can make your, this your best year ever, but if you manage your health poorly, then you will not have the energy or the strength or the mental capacity for all that God has for you this year. Do you believe that? Just for 
a moment. Could you believe me on that, that taking care of your body is really, really important? Now, I want to tell you a story. I planted this church two years ago, and in uh, December 2009, I was finishing up the position I was at at the previous place that I worked, and it was very stressful, and I was running red hot, running red hot. I'd gotten very unhealthy. I was pushing a weight that was not good at all. I got into January of 2010, just a few months before we're starting the church, and someone uh, said in the midst of a bunch of church planters that, that church planters on average gain 30 pounds in their first year planting a church. And so I was kind of looking at myself, thinking 30 pounds, wow, okay, I'm going to, I don't know. And then just a few short days later, I stood before this group of teenagers. I'd been asked to preach at this event in, in February of, of 2010. And I stood before this group of teenagers, and I'm telling, I mean, hundreds of them, I'm telling them the reason that they like to sin is because sin feels so good, but it's very temporary, and I was trying to help them to see in the scriptures about repentance and faith in Christ. And it was like God spoke to my heart and said, Russell, you sin. You sin because the way you are, want to be satisfied by food replaces the way you're supposed to be satisfied by Jesus. I mean, I am preaching this message. And it was like God spoke to my heart. And I walked away from there. And on my way home, I, in tears, repented. And I began this very, very hard journey of, of beating my body into submission. And, and, and I lost some weight, and, um, and that's not what this is about. But I want you to know that I believe with everything in me that I would not have been able to pastor uh, my family the way God intended for me to the last two years, pastor this church the way that God's intended me to, um, to, to do all that God has wanted me to, to do in the area of the good works that he has for me if I hadn't gotten serious about repenting and, and, and managing my most valuable resource really, really well. And it's still a battle. It's, still, it's not like, okay, everything's okay. I mean, I still regularly have to repent of that because that's, that's a thing for me. I want you to get very serious about managing your most valuable resource because I want you to have your best year ever. Uh, I would be lying to you if I said that the Bible has large sections of Scripture that talk about how to take care of your body. There is evidence in the Scripture of um, the way people eat, uh, good and bad, and some have gone to those and come up with diets. I've heard of like the Daniel diet, and uh, there are others which are completely okay. But there are, there are not large sections of scripture that say that you ought to get up in the morning and work out for 30 minutes right after you've spent, you know, 15 minutes in God's word and, you know, all this kind of stuff. But there is plenty in the Bible that talks about uh, self-control, stewardship. You know what stewardship is? like managing and spending well what God has given to you. There's lots in the Bible that talks about self-control, stewardship, and the brevity of life. The brevity of life. Like you are not going to live forever. And if you're young, like mid-20s, early to mid-20s, maybe pushing up to 30, you, you might think, man, I kind of have my whole life ahead of me. You know what? 
60 years, you're going to be dead. It's good news. Put that in your notes. Tweet that. So you have to take care of this. You have to take care of your body. Self-control, brevity of life, and stewardship. The Bible talks a lot about it. But there's this interesting, interesting place in 1 Timothy chapter 4. Why don't you turn there if you have your Bible. 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7. Begins, it begins this section where Paul's telling Timothy, you know, Paul is one of the early church leaders. If you're new to the Bible, he's one of the early church leaders. He's like the, one of the earliest pastors. So he went around and started churches. There were guys that he mentored um, and helped. Uh, one of them, his name is Timothy, and Timothy's in Ephesus at this point. And, uh, and Paul has since gone away from Ephesus, but Timothy is in Ephesus and he's dealing with this group of people who have trusted Jesus and they're trying to figure out what it means to follow Christ. Well, what's happened in the church is that there are some false teachers that have come in and they begin saying something other than what's true about who God is and what it means to have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, the truth of the gospel. And so Paul is telling Timothy, here's how you'll deal with it. Uh, I want for you to, to do, do, do these things. And we actually pick up um, at, in verse 7 of 1 Timothy chapter 4 with Paul, Paul telling Timothy uh, how to deal with these false teachings. And, and within this passage, we get a glimpse of what Paul thinks is about our health and our training our bodies. So here's what it says in 1 Timothy chapter 4 verse 7. Have nothing to do with irreverent, silly myths. Now, Paul is telling Timothy to reject the things that are being said about Jesus that are false. And and here's, here's what Timothy is to do instead. Rather, train yourself for godliness. Now, there's a lot of imagery in the Bible about growing in your relationship with Christ uh, and, and how it can relate to the idea of physical training. Like you must put in some effort to do it. So rather, train yourself for godliness. While bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way. So this verse 8 is the part I want to emphasize in just a moment. For bo- while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way, as it holds promise for the present life and also for the life to come. Now stop there. Last week when I was telling you how to begin your best year ever, how you ought to focus on God, what I intended to do was to to train you for godliness. And so I've given you a plan, a very simple plan. Here's how you can wake up every day and train yourself. You focus on God, you open, you you find, I'm sorry, you find a, a quiet time a quiet place, you open God's word, you consider what you've read, you seek to understand it using resources, and then you share it with others. So that's my effort to train you in godliness. But, and the reason that it's important, according to Paul's teaching to Timothy, is because your godliness has benefits in this life and in the next life. Your godliness has benefits in this life and in the next life. So whenever you open God's word in the morning, you ought to know you're training for godliness and its benefits are not just for here, but they're also for the next life. But what's interesting is that Paul says there's also benefits to bodily training. So he says, while bodily training is of some value, godliness is of value in every way, he is saying that godliness has value now and forever 
But bodily training has value now. Now, in the next life, if you're in Christ, you're going to receive a new body. It'll be perfect. But in this life, there is value in training your body. And what's really interesting, a little bit of a press down on the meanings of these words, will tell us he's saying that spiritual training and bodily training in this life are equally important. Isn't that interesting? Spiritual training and bodily training in this life are equally important. Now, in the next life, only uh, spiritual training is important. But in this life, bodily training and spiritual training are equally important. It's, It's meaningful to consider what he's just said. Now, this isn't Paul telling Timothy, hey, Timothy, go exercise. But we ought to look at that and consider in our day, in our context, in the rhythms of our own life, should we be take more seriously taking care of our bodies? Yes, absolutely. One thing that you should know about the time in which this was written, certainly there were people with abundance. No doubt there were people that did not take care of their bodies and overindulged. But most people in this day live below the poverty line. In other words, or in other words, the amount of money that a person needed just to put basic meals on the table every day. Here we are in a culture of abundance and overindulgence. So we should think real carefully about what does it mean to take care of our bodies? God has called you into his plan and he's sending you so to ignore your health is to ignore God and to ignore the good that he has for you this year. If you do not take care of your health, you're going to miss out. That's what I want you to understand. If you do not take care of your health, you will miss out on all that God has for you. We can can talk at a 100,000-foot level. If you're a leader in your organization, wherever you work, if you don't take care of your health, you're not going to be, your organization isn't going to be all that it needs to be. Your business isn't going to run like it ought to. You think you can run it? Without taking care of your health, you're wrong because the way you take care of your health affects your mind and your energy. But let's scale it down to the parents in the room. How in the world are you going to have the energy to take care of your kids? It begins with how you take care of your body. How in the world, if we scale it down even a little bit more, are you going to be the kind of friend that you need to be to the people that are around you that don't know Jesus. You gotta take care of your body because your mind needs to be sharp. Your energy needs to be strong. I, I, I know I'm belaboring the point a bit, but I want to make a case of it. And something I should also say is I've researched and looked. You know, it's, it's interesting to me. The places in our country that are the most obese and the most unhealthy are the places where the most churches exist. That is really sad. And I think probably the outside world might look into the inside world, uh, inside the church world, and go, why, if Jesus is so satisfying, are those people so fat? So here are some really practical things to take care of your health. Really practical things, because I am not a um, trained 
nutritionary, diet, dietitianary. What, I don't even know how to say the word. I'm not one of those, but I am a human being who's trying to make the most of the life that God has given me. And so I've sat down, and I've made a list of very practical things you can do to take care of your health. And I've consulted people around me that I know that are pretty good and consistent about taking care of their health, and I've asked them to speak into this and help shape it for me. And so here's the best of what I have. I'm not a doctor, <laughs> so um, surprise, I'm not a doctor. Um, okay, so here's, here's the first thing. Obviously, taking care of your health, first and foremost, begins with your, with your eating, what you eat. Um, as I've mentioned, for some of us, what the very first best place to start is, is repentance, just go to God and say, God, I have lacked self-control. And I recognize that self-control is a fruit of the Spirit. So evidence of you working in me is my capacity to be self-controlled in all areas of my life. So please forgive me. I have replaced what only Jesus can give to me with those temporary pleasures of food. Repent it. Repent of it. Now, in the Bible, the times that we see people that repent and the most spiritually minded people, particularly in the Psalms, the psalmist, there's this trait called having a contrite heart, which is actually this rhythm of repentance. And uh, so what I would say to you is that you are going to repent and turn away from this thing and tell God, God, I've, I've, I've replaced Jesus with something temporary like food or and, uh, and you're going to have to do it again, probably. But the posture is, God, I need your help. And one thing I would say about repentance is that it's easier to confess temptation than it is to confess sin. And as a rhythm of your life this year, you ought to have some people in your life that you can confess to. That, hey, I'm struggling in this area of food. Now, let, let me say this. Not only can you be struggling in the sense that you overindulge, but you can struggle in the sense that you don't give yourself enough because you're overly nervous or scared about being overweight. I have, throughout the course of years of being a pastor, ministered to, counseled with, many, many people who have eating disorders where you and I would look at them and they are either they're really, really thin, but when they look at themselves, they see themselves as really, really fat. This is, this is a part of the conversation, too. It's about healthy eating. So repent is the first step. Okay, now here are some simple eating tips. Now, this is not a diet, um, but here are some simple things you can do that will help you take care of your health. First of all, don't drink your calories. Don't drink your calories. That includes you know, large amounts of alcohol or, you know, if you go down to Starbucks and every day you get a um, triple latte frappuccino, I don't know, I get the cheap, I get short black coffee every time, it's $1.43. And um, so I don't know, what, but the big ones, those things are loaded with calories. Don't drink your calories. Sugary drinks like Gatorade and all that kind of stuff, that stuff has calories and oftentimes it's very unnecessary for you. So don't drink your calories, drink a lot of water. Your body needs lots and lots of water. Um, most people don't drink enough water. Did you know drinking water uh, actually helps, there's a connection to how it, it helps you think? Um, so don't drink your calories, drink a lot of water. 
Uh, so here's another kind of simple eating tip. Some of you have abused your body so much, maybe especially in the last couple of months, I have, um, that you're going to need a season where you really are strict on yourself. Like you need to kind of break yourself of unhealthy eating. So maybe you would say something like, I'm not going to eat any fried foods or sweets uh, for the next um, 40 days or the next, you know, whatever. You need to sit down, with, and if you're married, sit down with your spouse because if only you try to do it and your spouse doesn't try to do it, you will not last um, sit down, make a list, and go, we cannot eat fried foods, or we cannot you know, eat more than this amount of sweets, or you know, whatever it is. Just, just, just make a rule for yourself and stick to it. Another good eating tip is um, uh, related to carbs. Now, I don't know a lot about this, gladly, um, but I know this. If you eat a lot of carbs, it's not good for you. You need some, um, but and if you're going to eat them, eat them earlier in the day rather than late at night. It's good also to eat smaller meals and to eat mid-morning and mid-afternoon snacks. You guys have heard of these things. When you're sitting down to eat a meal, have a very... Cody's feeling very convicted about the sermon. He turned my microphone off. Um... So uh, eating small meals throughout the day is good, and that just requires planning and preparation. Um, uh, I like to keep a little bag of almonds in, in the console of my car, and so if midday when I'm going here and there, I'll grab 10 or 15 of them, throw them in, and so that when I get to mealtime, I'm not so hungry. My body's not feeling starved, and so I overeat or, or have a hard time. If you go sit down to a meal and you're really, really hungry, your mental capacity to be disciplined is diminished quite a bit. So go into your meals, your major meals, um, having, put a, having something, a little something on your stomach, and uh, that way you can make a good decision about eating there. Eat balanced meals, I was beginning to say. Eat, eat real balanced meals. I've heard it said half of your plate should be vegetables, uh, a third of it should be some kind of um, meat, and then the other third should be some kind of healthy uh, whole grain, some type of really good carb. All right? So eat really, really well. That's where it begins frankly. Now, if you don't eat at all during the day, that's also very unhealthy. You don't eat breakfast, that's very unhealthy. And, and you might be thinking, let me just pause here, and you might be thinking, I, what, what does this have to do? It has everything to do with it. What's your most valuable resource? Your body. And I believe God has good works for you this year, and for you to experience your best year ever, you must take care of your body. Uh, another thing I would say is, uh, is how you sleep. You ought to um, plan your day so that you're able to get a full night's sleep. There is some research coming out that I've been reading recently that whenever the end of your day is in front of a bright screen of some sort, maybe you like to look at your phone or your iPad or watch TV, it's harder for your brain to shut down so that you can quickly go into a deep sleep. And so consider, rather than watching TV right up until the time you turn it off and go to bed, consider reading for that last 30 minutes or something that's a little less bright, literally bright in your, in your, um, to your brain. You must sleep. So I have, um, in a, as you know, um, gotten involved in triathlons. And, and uh, one thing that I have learned uh, as I've pushed, tried to push my body um, to, its, to its limits um, is that you sleep, and the amount you sleep is really affects your ability to recover from the day. 
Okay, so if you have a really high stress, hard work day, and you then and then you go home and don't get the right amount of sleep, you're going to just keep getting behind and behind and behind and behind and behind. And you know who gets the brunt of it? Your spouse or your kids, or you end up hurting yourself long term with some kind of um, energy deficiency where you're physiologically you cannot even ha- you can't even start taking care of yourself because you've hurt yourself permanently. Sleep is very, very important. So eating, sleeping, and then also exercise is really important. Now, it's really interesting to me. When I go to Ethiopia or anywhere in Africa or in most places in the world, um, I don't see a lot of the nationals exercising, right? They might not need to exercise quite as much as we do. But one reason we need to exercise more because we consume more calories. Even if you eat smart, you consume way more calories than you need during the day. And if you do that, you need exercise. Not only does exercise help you burn calories and help you be strong, uh, but it also releases endorphins and helps you stay strong mentally, right? Exercise is so, so important. So here's the thing about exercise. Um, uh, some of you like it, most of you don't. Raise your hand if you just, like the idea of exercise, you'd rather poke your eyes out. Just raise your hand, fess it up. Nobody's even wanting to, everybody likes to exercise. Okay, Lisa, thank you. One, on, okay, in the back. All right, Kristen. Um, uh, exercise is one of those things that you can, uh, you can do it in all sorts of different ways. You can find different ways to exercise. You, if you like to run, you can run. I mean, here we are in this facility. <laughs> Clearly, there are many options here. You can play racquetball, basketball. You can do dance classes. They have hip-hop dance classes. I think, Andrew, how are those? <laughs> Good? Um, and, uh, you know, there's all kinds of different options. Find something to do for exercise. You do not have to run uh, a marathon. Uh, by the way, I've been praying all morning. We've got several in our church that are doing the Houston Marathon uh, this morning. Uh, you don't have to do an Ironman. This bike's up here. It's just to kind of put in your mind uh, an image of exercise. This belongs to our newest staff member, Kelly Stevens. And uh, Kelly, I don't know that everybody knows who you are. So where are you? Will you stand up? You kind of. Re- this is Kelly Stevens right here. Yeah, so she's 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 brought some um, class and professionalism to our team. Thank you so much. And, uh, but anyway, this, this bike belongs to her. She's just completed her second Ironman in Phoenix just a, just a month or so ago. Is that right, second Ironman? So the first one was the one in the woodlands. And so this is her bike. And, uh, and, and I hope it puts in your mind this idea that exercise can be fun. Exercise isn't just uh, for, uh, for, for men and for um, really mainly looking women, right? I mean, exercise is for everybody. I mean, look at Kelly. I mean, she, you know, she did, a, did an Ironman. She's, she's impressive. So um, here's, here's, here's how I'm going to challenge you to do this because I can say, go exercise. You go, okay, yeah, yeah, whatever. Look in your chair, and there's a card right there for sign up for the rodeo run. What I want to do is I want for you to join me on February the 23rd for the rodeo run. I would love it if the majority of the people in our church signed up and we did this together. Now, we've already gone and volunteered at a run. Remember the Jingle Bell run in December? But health, I want health to be a part of the culture of our church and taking care of our most valuable resource uh, because I think it's important. And uh, so I want for you to... um, to, to sign up. So today, take this card, write your name on it, and you say, 
I don't like to run or I've never run, it's okay. It's a run walk. It's a 5K run walk kind of fun run. There's also a 10K for the people that are really hardcore. Please come. I'm going to involve my children in it. And so we're going to do it as a family. I want you to do it. Please, please, please. If right now you're going through your mind, I don't like to run, get it out of your mind. Do you like to be with the church? Come hang out with the church and we're just going to take a short walk. And it'll be a good time. So this, this run is going to be really, really awesome. I would love it if a lot of us did it, okay? So raise your hand if you're going to do the rodeo run with us. Come on, come on. I want to pressure every one of you. All right, good, good, good. It's going to be a good time. You're going to be hearing more about it. Please, please, please participate in that. And so th- as a resource, c- see, because I could get up here and I do this often. I get up here, I give you a message. You go, okay, that was good or that wasn't or whatever. And you walk away, see you next Sunday. But I want for you to apply to your life what I'm telling you, which Here's a great way to apply it, rodeo run. And I think we'll check out if you can bring strollers. So if you have young babies and you can stroller them right along for three miles, it's, it's not too far. You'll do a great job, all right? So this week, probably this afternoon, we're going to send you some information about how you can sign up for the rodeo run. And then we're also going to send you some links for training. You say, well, how do I get ready for a 5K? We can send you some links. It's really easy. Just require some time uh, during the week to go out and run, walk, you know, whatever you can do, and so that you'll be prepared for that. So that's going to be a good, good race, all right? Um, here's another thing about exercise, and I'm going to wrap this up. Another thing about exercise is this. You must schedule your workouts. Now, many of you are in business. So imagine your most valuable client calls you and says, I will Remain your customer if you meet with me once, no, if you meet with me three times a week. What are you going to say? Most likely you're going to say yes. You're going to say okay. I mean, the way I look at it is if somebody called me and said, I want to give your church a million dollars every year so that you can do all that God wants you to do, but you've got to meet with me for 30 minutes three times a week, I'd say yes. I got you on my calendar, and I will not miss. That's the way you have to schedule your workouts, and you cannot cancel them. Exercise is so important. I could say a lot more about that, but hopefully it will kick you kind of in the right direction. So you must uh, care about the way you eat, the way you sleep, the way you exercise. And also important is that you connect with people who care about their diet and exercise. If the people that are closest to you abuse their bodies with the way they eat, the way they sleep, and the way that they exercise, you need to find some new people to be closest to you, to be quite honest, unless they're your spouse. Stay with them. And encourage them and help them. As a staff, we wanted to create a culture where if somebody wanted to eat a salad, it was not abnormal. (laughs) We're not accusing them of dieting. We say this is an important part of our staff. We believe as a team we have to lead out as a church. Here's what's going to happen when you do. Whenever you do take care of your most valuable resource, not only will you have more energy, you'll have better ideas. Your brain will function more the way it's supposed to. Your intimacy with your spouse will be better. Yes, I do mean that. Your church will be impacted. And most of all, you'll enjoy Christ more fully. Let's think about these things, and I hope that you'll join me in applying them. Let's pray together.